Discover connection, awaken sacredness, become empowered. Join us for our show on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Discover Your Spiritual Gifts Live, show number 16. We are your hosts, Jason and Violet. And today, our third host <laughs> is also our guest. That is Dave the Mystic. And Dave is an energy healer and intuitive with over 35 years of experience in Colorado. He's got multiple technical degrees and is truly a rocket scientist. Yes, this is a real thing. In the early 1980s, Dave had some turning points in his life, and those led him to a passion in discovering and developing his gifts in multiple forms of energy healing. Dave works with healing, reading the Akashic Records, energy and entity clearing, changing core beliefs, and discerning spiritual gifts. Now, Dave, welcome to your own show. It is so great to have you. <laughs> You. Violet and I are excited to get to hear some more about your story and pick your brain a little bit. So uh, uh, tell us a little more about you and, and, and a little deeper into your story. Sure. Um, well, I knew as a kid I wanted to be an electrical engineer and I pursued that. But back in 1983, I was working out at Lockheed. I'd been there a couple of years. I'd also had experience at Boeing and General Motors. Um, I went to my 10th high school reunion, and a very interesting thing happened. I ran into an old friend, and he started quizzing me. He said, Dave, did you become an electrical engineer like you expected? And I said, yeah, what's up? And he said, do you think it's possible to change things at a distance? And he kept beating around the bush, and he, he wouldn't come out with it. And uh, I finally said, come on, you, you got to tell me what's going on. And he said, well, come over to my house. I prefer to show you. We go over to his house and get out of his car. We walk up to the electric meter on his house. And he said, do you have an idea of the rate of the wheel? And this is a little wheel that turns in there and spins. And I said, sure. And he points at it with his index finger and says, now. It slows by a third. He tells me that he did this to his mother's house several months earlier, and her bills were still lower. Well, okay, this is interesting. We go inside his house. He has a black and white TV on rabbit ears, uh, just sort of like a little hobby TV almost. And he puts it on a station where there's no station, it's just snow. And he points his finger at the TV and says, now, and he tunes in a station on the TV. Okay, well, this could start making the hair come up on the back of your neck a little bit. You know, what, what is this guy doing? What's he capable of? He's a disc jockey for an FM radio station. We went over to his big stereo, uh, expensive and fancy. He had, uh, he had the stereo on. He said, do you have an idea of how the VU needles are moving on the, the meters? And I said, sure. You know, left channel goes up, the needle goes up, right, same thing. He points at the stereo with his finger again and says, now, and the needles go out of phase. So when the music gets louder, the needle goes down instead of up. Well, this is getting quite curious. The next thing he wanted to show me, we went out to his car and sat in his car. He started it. Uh, it was a conventional ignition system, and it's idling. And he goes, now, and he could slow the idle down to the point where the car was stalling. And he said, I can stall other cars in traffic. 
Well, you know, this is something we'd all love to have that gift. Uh, there's a lot of circumstances we could use that one. The, the next step, we go down to his radio station, and a 50,000-watt FM station in Wichita, Kansas. We go in and we look at the, the meter board, where they have all the status indicators for the performance of the transmitter. And they had a digital panel meter that read in percentage, so it was currently reading 99.6%. So that would be 99.6% of the rated power output of 50,000 watts was going out the an- antenna currently. He said, do you have an idea of the meter? I said, yeah, it's very stable. And he points at it, and he says, well, before I do this, I can't lower it too much or I'll trip the station off the air. It has uh, automatic failure detection. And he said, I've done that. So, okay. So he said, so he has me look at the meter, and he goes now, and it drops from 99.6 to 99.2. Now, four-tenths of a percent of 50,000 watts is a lot of power to control with your mind. And, and over the years, we've ended up coming up with many other demonstrations and tests for him to, to try. He has always gotten an effect. Sometimes it goes the other way than you expect. You know, something he hoped to make smaller becomes bigger. But it always happens. I, I've rarely read of any other uh, people with psychokinetic capabilities who can do it this reliably, can do it at this magnitude. Um, I'm aware of people with psychokinesis who occasionally they can make a little piece of paper spin on the head of a pin under a glass and uh, that type of thing. Uh, I haven't run into anybody who can do what uh, they did in that one movie with, um, oh gosh, <laughs> well, a guy who could make a pencil roll back and forth. I, I haven't run into people who can just do that. Occasionally I've heard of people starting a candle flame uh, by pointing and, and intention. But this guy could do all this. It really forced me to re-examine my reality. I really felt like the big hands had come down and said, Dave, we're going to give you a demonstration in your area of expertise, and you know it can't be faked. Uh, and yeah, uh, the things he was showing me, the things we picked at random, uh, he wasn't prepped. And even to this day, I'm still one of only about a dozen people that he's shown this to. Uh, because he's uh, he's a quiet guy and he, he doesn't care to be in the limelight with this stuff. So I came back to Denver. Um, I had moved from Wichita to Denver in 1981. This was 1983. And I started digging. It's was, it was time to dig. And uh, I went into meditation groups. I went into energy healing through uh, therapeutic touch. And I had a fantastic teacher there who taught a lot of things that were outside the, the standard curriculum. I took classes in psychic development. I joined a group called the Tibetan Foundation, which was teaching channeling of ascended masters. And uh, since I was an aerospace engineer, I had to keep kind of quiet about this. Uh, this was in the 1980s. Uh, I couldn't hang out a shingle and say, Dave, the energy healer, and oh, by the way, I'm also an electrical engineer. Um, it just didn't work very well that way, so I, I was kind of quiet with it. And um, I just kept doing it through the 90s. I was getting readings on a periodic basis. The readings towards the end of the 90s were, Dave, you got to expand, you got to grow. Um, I left uh, Lockheed in uh, 2000, went to a small renewable energy company, continued to get pressure to expand. I started meditating very regularly and strongly in 2002, looking for uh, significant growth. In 2003, I won two uh, research contracts uh, with the Air Force, with the company in California. I was able to leave my daytime job 
And a voice came down in my head and said, okay, you have all the money you need, you have all the time you need, go learn everything you can about healing. And I spent the next four years um, taking a lot of classes. Uh, I learned about 10 modalities. Um, I learned my psyche, which is working with uh, subconscious core beliefs uh, in uh, psychic development classes, psychic mentoring classes with the Denver Medium over two years. Uh, A few gifts came through, such as uh, reading the Akashic Records very clearly. Um, I started doing soul retrievals from hell. Uh, I was led by spiritual beings to a, a deep place where people create their own hells and I had to learn how to break their illusion so that they could be returned to the spiritual plane so all this uh, just started moving forward and uh, I joined another aerospace company in 2007 again I had to sort of be uh, what some of my psychic friends call Clark Kent and Superman so Clark Kent's a mild-mannered engineer at work and uh, Superman's uh, the, the strange person doing metaphysical things after hours and now in the past several years my aerospace work has almost drifted away and I've come into working on this side full time so uh, I'm coming kind of coming out of the closet with uh, even my aerospace friends that you know this is who I am this is what I do and uh, I enjoy helping people uh, in various ways using these gifts Thank you for that journey. That's uh, a lot more than I knew. Hey, me too. <laughs> that, that was really great. I, I, so, so the first thing that I take from everything you shared is that now is the equivalent of abracadabra. Yeah. Now. <laughs> yes. That's uh, uh, that's pretty pretty powerful. It's amazing how many people have gifts that they are holding back on or not communicating to others until they find someone that they trust that they feel won't think they're crazy or will take that walk with them mm-hmm. uh, it's one of the beauties about the community that we have here yeah. is that it really doesn't matter what the conversation is about or what it looks like uh, which we've experienced on on this show repeatedly mm-hmm. it's it's really about accepting people where they're at and and having a safe place to to share that and and you really create that uh, the first interaction that I had with you <laughs> was um, about the spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. and and tell us a little bit about that reading because that's kind of that's kind of the cornerstone. That's really where you start with folks usually, right? Yeah, for a lot of people, um, something I I started noticing uh, is a little bit frustrating because I didn't have a good answer for them. I would be working at fairs. I started working at fairs about two thousand nine, which was a new experience for me, and. Uh, working across a table from somebody <clears throat> at a crowded venue with a time limit is much different than being in a quiet office with somebody on a massage table doing energy healing. A very different experience. And you get a lot of people with all different levels of understanding and views. And I kept getting clients who would show up and say, Wow, uh, I just had a reading over there with Lulu Bell. And Lulu Bell said, Wow, you're so psychic, you should be on this side of the table. The obvious question to these people is, what does that mean? You know, doing what? I don't know. And I ended up developing a a worksheet. I I do a lot of work uh, with people where I muscle test on myself on their behalf, and I use a scale called the Level of Consciousness Scale. Uh, It's from David Hawkins' book, Power Versus Force. 
It's a scale of zero to a thousand. I look for 280 or above to be a yes answer. And when we're looking for a really strong yes or indication, I'm looking for in the 300s to 400s. And so I developed this worksheet with about 35 different areas of intuitive gifts, psychic gifts, healing, clairvoyance, all the clairs, all the mediumship, all the channeling, all the different types of uh, readings, you know, using rune stones, using tarot, yijing, all those types of things. And for that person, I muscle test on their behalf to look for the areas where they are strong enough that if they chose to develop those gifts, it would come easily to them. So I look for 290 or above to indicate that. And I start with the clairs at the top. And the thing that's been uh, interesting for me is over the past two years, probably two out of three people come to see me, clairaudience is coming out in the 400s. And when I explain to them what clairaudience looks like, you know, it's, it's not typically a voice outside your head talking in your ear. It's yourself speaking in your head, but it's coming up with information or insights or things that you know that you don't have in your memory and things that you know you aren't making up. Um, and they say, wow, that's right, I am using that. They didn't know it, they didn't have a label for it, it's coming naturally to them. And to me, that's a very strong indicator that, uh, especially since 2012, when we, we went through uh, some big vibrational shifts there, that these things are happening for people. So even if they aren't particularly strong in other areas or they're strong in some, the clairaudient brings through all this information if they're open to it and uh, have an appreciation for it, honor the, the information that comes through. Um, they, they walk away and they start using their tools and they also have a list of other things that I explain to them that they may choose to develop uh, if they want to move forward with their gifts. Does that change over time? Does it shift? Have you have you ever tested it multiple? I have tested years? it multiple times, and I discourage people from doing it. And I'll tell you why. It's okay. because um, if I check you today and I check you in three weeks, it might be significantly different. And then then there's always the question: Well, why did it change? Why did it move? So I prefer to do it once and just say, "This is what it looks like. Let's move forward with this." Uh, um, when, when somebody comes and, and I check them and they're they're really strong in energy healing, I say, okay, so so what do you do? Oh well, I, I do Reiki. You know, that's that's a nice confirmation. But occasionally I get somebody who's doing energy work uh, like Reiki and they're low on energy healing, and they say, well, how can I come out low on that? And I always tell them, you can choose to develop any of these. You know, with enough work, you can make any of them work. I'm just identifying the ones that would come easiest to you. So if you're already doing energy work, more power to you. You, you toughed it out. You, you made it work, and it's good for you. Uh, I'm just identifying the things that if you want to move into them, they would come to you quickly. Makes sense. Because, like, Jason, you did that for me a long time mm-hmm. ago, and I'm sitting here thinking, what did I do with that for? Where is that at? Where did I put that at? Can I go find that again? It's in the day I'd be folder. Cur- curious after three or four years. This is literally what I was thinking. It's in my day folder. My <laughs> I don't have a day folder. <laughs> but, you know, it's been, what? two or three years now so that that was the reason i asked that question because as we develop and grow ourselves does that shift or change to something else come and i like the idea is this is just an area where you could excel at if you wanted to try yes. or, or it comes easily comes easily I have, I have a question about that because i 
I have a a similar approach where I read somebody's blueprint, uh-huh. right? I'm looking at their soul level information, yes. and that doesn't change, right? That's right. So that that's kind of what you're saying is that's sort of their blueprint. Is that for specifically for this life, or is that are you, are you going deeper into that? No, I think it's for this life. I think it's for where they are right now, and I would say that. Um, if I did check somebody today and I checked them six months from now, yes, it might be very different uh, because some of their attitudes might change, their beliefs, what they're exposed to, their interests, and and so uh, some of these things could shift, I, I believe. I, I just hate to add the confusion factor. Now I have two sheets. Right. Which right. one is the one that I honor? Well, that, that does indicate yeah. that it would be in this lifetime. Yes. Right, because a blueprint you would you would come up with similar or the same information, well, at, it, at least it's, similar. It's the same idea as uh, as a horoscope. You know, a lot of people walk around out there thinking, once I have a natal horoscope, that is the blueprint for my life. That's the guideline. That's that's what I'm stuck with. That's my uh, syllabus for this life. And no, that's not true. That's the starting point. Mm-hmm. You have free will. You can consciously go in and change that. I mean, if you really don't like being a Capricorn or a Sagittarius or something or a Gemini, yes, you can constructively change and essentially move your sun sign if you desire. You aren't stuck with that. That's a starting point. So same thing with my sheet. You know, if you come out as 2.30 on uh, tarot, and you say, but I love tarot. I really want to do it. Fine, pursue it. You know, you can probably become very good at it. It's going to take more work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's true. It's like it's the skeleton of the building. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just the foundation. Because mm-hmm. we look around this place every day, and we see <laughs> Discover Your Spiritual Gifts in the space that's been created. But yeah. it did not look like this when it started. <laughs> it looked nothing like this. It was just the foundation, just the walls. And we took it all the way down to the baseboards and, and the, the bare floor and, and, re, and built something very, very different. And when you come in here, it's very different. And I think people can construct their lives mm-hmm. much the same way. Uh, and like you're saying, they, they can shift. And what I found is that their, their soul path is accented by their astrology. Yes. It absolutely compares to who they are at soul level in in some capacity, mm-hmm. but it also outlines what things they're working with, what they're struggling with, what their yes. goals are in this lifetime. Uh, and and like for me, I'm not at soul level a very emotional person. And I was born in Aquarius, not in Pisces, thank goodness. Yeah. Right? I have no water in my chart. Yeah. None. Because that's just not who I am. But I have fire and I have passion. So I have a lot of passion uh, or I have a lot of fire in my chart. So I, it, and, and I see that more and more with people that, uh, that I work with at soul level that, that are looking at their astrology. And I think what you are talking about is, is very similar. It's supportive, yeah. but it doesn't define you. Yeah. I, you, you could have uh, a woman who comes in and her, her chart is full of cancer. You know, she is maternal. She is emotional. She is somewhat retreating. She's protective. Um, Yeah, can she learn to present a public face that looks more like a Leo? Absolutely. It's going to take work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, an interesting thing for you, uh, a phrase that you use, are your demonstrations of reality. Yeah. So tell tell us a little more. Define what that is for you, and then then share with us what you mean about that, because this this is really interesting stuff. Well, first off... um, 
there's a lot of metaphors that we, we use in life. Some people, um, sadly to say, uh, turn those metaphors into a religion or a cult or or something like that, rather than just saying, uh, here's one of my fundamental views is, so much of the stuff that we get when we journey, when we go into meditation, when we dream, is at other vibrational levels that have other dimensionality. We are stuck when we're, our eyes are open and we're walking around with 3D reality. And we can't describe what we saw. We can't even formulate a good image ourselves because it defies it when it's in fourth dimension, fifth dimension, things like that. However, uh, we can have demonstrations come to us waking consciousness to say, gotcha. And uh, so so one of them for me is uh, I was walking to um, uh, near Columbine School at Clement Park one time and there's a big uh, section of bushes and I look over there and also I glance and there's about a six foot diameter circle that opens and in it it is full of gold threads at all different directions. And I look after about two seconds and then closes up again. And the, the message that came to me is this is the true nature of reality. This is what's behind what you think you're seeing. Um, sort of like the idea, some people uh, talk about how does heaven work and we're in a tapestry and we're the intersection of many threads and that's what provides our intersections uh, with other people, other things, all, all the, the stuff that comes to us. And that there are many in the spiritual plane at various levels of vibration who are adjusting these threads as we try to have our life experience here. So, so that was one of those that was kind of, uh, gee whiz, you know, something changes. Uh, a lot of people have these in various ways with synchronicities, uh, just things, how did that happen? How could that happen? Too many things had to come together to make that happen. But um, another one that uh, was a big adjustment uh, for me, I feel like the spiritual plane gives me a lot of one-off demonstrations of things so I can talk about them and help other people uh, comprehend that these are happening and maybe they've happened to them and they just didn't put it into context. Um, One of them, uh, four or five years ago, I was invited by an artist friend who's also uh, very intuitive, Her, her name's Sophia, and she had a showing at a storefront art gallery on a first Friday up at uh, Belmar. It's a, a popular outdoor mall here. The showing was from 5 to 7 on a Friday. Uh, she invited my wife and myself to go up. So we went. And we got there about 5.30, parked in the parking garage, walked around, found a store, walked in. There were three artists being featured. Well, we didn't see Sophia. Uh, we saw the owner and the photographer standing over to one side at a at a table and and they had refreshments there and so we wandered around we figured Sophia had stepped out we we look at her art we found it and we look at the two other artists and we went over and munched on the carrot sticks and the celery sticks 45 minutes later still no Sophia well we, we just well she must have a personal emergency she must not have been able to make it at the last minute so we left and that night I sent Sophia an email and I said Wow, this is pretty cheeky of you. You invite us to your showing, and you don't even come yourself. You know, just kind of poking her a little bit out of fun. She writes me about two weeks later, and she said, Dave, I found your email very interesting because I was there the whole time. And she said, not only that, I went over and met with the gallery owner. We went through all the pictures of the guests that the photographer took, and you and your wife did not show up in any of them. Wow. 
Wow. So we were in a parallel universe. I read about these. I read about people going home late at night on the freeway. It was a dark and stormy night. They're, uh, they're nervous that they're going to make it home. They see an off-ramp. It looks like it's close to their house. They take it, drive through the neighborhood, and show up right at their house. The next day, when everything's clear blue skies, they tell their friends about how they got home. And their friends say, there's no ramp there. There's no neighborhood there. And they take them out and show them an empty field. And said, that's what you drove through where you saw houses? Uh, I've read about those. This was my experience of that. And and it contributes to um, a very strong feeling that I have. One of the solutions to uh, quantum mechanics is... uh, based on parallel universes and we have other universes around us and it's really come to me and I work with these things now when you hit a a major decision point in your life uh, and you choose A you may spin off another U that chooses B and C in parallel universes. Uh, One time I asked my guides, I said, well, does this mean that there's 10,000 Daves out here because of all the choices I've made? And they said, no, it only takes two to 300 to to cover your options. But now I'm finding, just like past lives can affect people, I'm finding now some of these parallel lifetimes are sending energy back to affect people because you may have chosen a nice way to go, a fairly painful free choice and that meant that the parallel that you spun off chose the hard path and their hard path may be unbearable I've had women who chose a good path here and they spun off a parallel who's a prostitute living on the streets and getting beaten up and so I have them be a surrogate for that alternate uh, and work with changing their life, altering it, giving them a bigger view to get out of that situation, and then disconnecting those energies. So these experiences on alternate realities, um, other options, um, just really come through well. And I, I get these demonstrations periodically. Um, things, you know, disappearing, reappearing. Um, yeah, because people talk about they know they sat their keys on that table. They leave the room, go somewhere else, and they come come back and the keys aren't there. They tear the house apart because they're like, I know I put the keys there. <laughs> it's the fairies. And then a couple days later, or a day later, or hours later, they come back and the key is sitting exactly where they left it originally that wasn't there previously. Like yeah. you're moving in and out. Well, one of the strange ones I had like that, uh, we went to Las Vegas, we go periodically, and we get out there and we had the built-in locks that locked the zipper tangs on our suitcase and that lock broke and we had to have uh, a maintenance guy come up with a bolt cutter to cut the zipper tang so we'd get into our suitcase at the hotel. We decided well we should buy another suitcase there uh, just as a, another spare and we found a neat one because it was said Las Vegas on the side is embossed in it. And we get back to the hotel room I realized Ah, oh, darn. It doesn't have a built-in lock on it. So I went back to the store and bought up the little you know, aftermarket lock that you put on it for TSA. And, and we, we came home with that suitcase with stuff in it with it locked that way. So I go to a luggage repair store and I buy a couple locks there. I'm going to install them myself. One to fix the one suitcase and one to add it to the other suitcase. And... Um, like a lot of my projects, I kind of put it off for a while, and then a couple months later, I, I dig out the stuff, and I go get the suitcase that says Las Vegas on the side. It has a lock on it. It, it, it has a built-in lock. It's ready to go. It's like, well, thank you, universe. Th- thank you for uh, taking this one off my plate. 
And I still had the two locks in my drawer that I bought for replacements. And so it's not like, oh, Dave, you're mistaken. You didn't notice that the lock was already on the suitcase. No, I bought an aftermarket lock in Las Vegas to lock it on the way home. I know it didn't have a lock. And then one day I look at it, and it's a perfect suitcase with a factory-installed lock on it. Now. <laughs> now. Yes. <laughs> Abracanal. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. And I think some people just blow it off or don't pay attention. They're like, okay, I must have not seen that. And they don't, they don't, you know, they just go right by it. And it's like, hey, it was showing you something. Mm-hmm. That is. <laughs> well, it's not rocket science. <laughs> Dave can tell you. <laughs> no, th- this is me. This is the physics that go above our physics. This is a. Uh, I believe that all of our physics systems are a subset of a bigger physics, and um, we're still trying to learn how to get there. Same as our reality is a subset of the yeah. of the truth. I, I one thing that I've come to understand in the spiritual journey is that the science and spirituality converge in a lot of places. Yes, and what science can't answer spirituality usually can Mm -hmm. and vice versa in in many cases as well but it's it's different when you start getting into you know parallels and and quantum and and things start to expand and you get a little it gets a little crazy there and it's a lot to try and take on with a human mind Uh, well our circuits are easy to blow it it, it amazes me (laughs) it amazes me when scientists uh can look you in the eye and say there's no such thing as esp And at the same time you say, well, what about quantum entanglement, where we have two electrons or two photons that we can make them sort of do a little dance with each other so they become a system of two. And you can separate those, and that system's properties as a whole has to be maintained. So if you tweak one of them and change the spin on the electron, instantly the other one changes to correspond to that so that the system properties as a whole are maintained. They've demonstrated this up to 20 miles apart. They've demonstrated with different sizes of particles. Einstein called this spooky action at a distance. It really bugged him uh, because it implied communication that was faster than the speed of light. So they can look at you with a straight face and say, yeah, that, that, that conforms to our reality. And then they can, say, they can look at you and say, and there's no such thing as ESP. I, really? Yeah. Where, where do you get that? Uh, another one, electrical engineering. There's a phenomenon called quantum tunneling. And the idea is that I can have an electron on this side of a barrier, like a big tall fence, and it takes a lot of energy to push it up and over the top of the fence. And this happens in electronic parts. Well, they found a way using quantum mechanics that the electron can be here and it can tunnel through the barrier over here. It actually uh, transports. And we use this all the time. We've used it in high-speed diodes since probably the 1970s. Extremely high-speed circuits, microwave circuits. And it's called the tunneling effect. It actually applies to mass. So um, the probability is very, very low, but you know, for you, Jason, there's a finite probability. It actually has a number on it. It's a lot of zeros in front of it. It has a number that right now you could disappear and be in New York City through the tunneling effect. Uh, okay, so we I don't. Love s- New York. Let's go. <laughs> so it doesn't happen very often, 
but there's a finite probability. And once again, these people will still look you in the face and say, but there's no such thing as ESP or psychic phenomena. And well, wait a second, you just gave me a mechanism that may happen. Um, for example, my friend who can modify electronics, when I said, well, how do you think you do this? And he says, Dave, I don't do it. I said, what do you mean? He said, I let it happen. And I've heard this from other people with phenomena. Is if you try to force it, it won't happen. If you try to see auras, it doesn't happen very often. If you let yourself see auras, it happens. And uh, I see the same thing on this, where um, I think in some strange way he's able to alter the probabilities of things in our lives. And whereas uh, the probability of a station suddenly appearing on that TV might have, again, ten zeros after the decimal point, he is somehow able to change it where, no, the probability is now 99.5% that a station is going to show up there. And he lets it happen. He doesn't make it happen. So um, there's a lot of things about our reality. You know, There's a lot of things that come through the metaphor of the Matrix movie where uh, are we in software, are we in a simulation? You know, Do we occasionally get the chance to go change some software and have the effects change for us on our experience here? That that is a subject we will pick up after the break, okay? <laughs> uh, because we we definitely want to get into that aspect of what you do and 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 discuss those things further. Uh, so we're going to take a, a quick commercial break. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Uh, so please stay with us. Discover your spiritual gifts has readers available every day starting at 10 a.m. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. and Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. We offer 30-minute readings for $50 and 60-minute readings for $90. You can make an appointment or just stop on in for availability. Call ahead at 720-573-4275. Welcome back to Discover Your Spiritual Gifts Live. Uh, These are your hosts, Jason Violet, and we have our third host, Dave the Mystic, is our host and guest today. And uh, we are uh, just getting into the discussion of... Gosh, how, how would nature, you, nature of reality. How would you how would you frame this this next phase here, Dave? How do you want to how do you want to approach this? How we're, how we can shift and change the things around us within us? What what does that look like from your point of view? Well, let's talk about healing. Healing to me, our life is full of challenges. Just like a football team, a very common thing that coaches say after a game when they lose a game, you know, they'll, they'll frequently get very philosophical and they'll say. We learned so much more from a game we lost than the game we won. Because when we lose a game, we scrutinize it, we go through all of what we did, what we should have done, the mistakes we made, players who didn't uh, do their position correctly, somebody forgot to call, things like that. So we learn from our mistakes. So if we look at the reality of our lives here, uh, I certainly very much, for so many reasons, buy into the idea that, yes, we do have reincarnation, we have multiple lifetimes, this is a classroom. This is uh, sort of a break from perfection to kind of go on a safari or an adventure. And they don't give us the cheat book. They don't tell us what all is going to happen. We get sort of a, a very short summary saying, uh, this is an interesting one for you. Do you want to take it? It fulfills some of the things that maybe you didn't do so well on the report card on previous lifetimes. Do you want to take it? And you take it. And you come here. <laughs> the brochure. The brochure. Was misleading. <laughs> yes. 
few things they didn't tell me about. Yeah, the, you, the, the, in Beetlejuice, they at least give you a Book of the Dead, right? Yes. You get a book for that. <laughs> That's, that seems counterintuitive to me. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Go ahead, please. And, and you get to meet to get a, out a raspy voice lady smoking <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> like, you want a book for life? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you get back down there. <laughs> you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> I had somebody say the other day that they felt like their brother was too close to the line. They grabbed him and pushed him in. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for this. But, 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 but. I, don't, I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> the trap don't door, make me go. The trap door opens in front of the desk and there you go. <laughs> you know, I felt that. <laughs> I've experienced that. The, the the floor just falling right out from under you. And, and this this life is full of those kind of things and you're right. It's very much uh you know, do you do you wanna do you wanna? <laughs> Here's a cool vacation possibility. I always call this lifetime a working vacation. Yeah. Because we are so spiritually advanced just coming here. Because if you consider even just on our planet the amount of time people have been recorded to live, where there are hundreds of years, mm-hmm. right? And and there's more than just a handful of folks that have been around for 120, 200, 300 years. We experience now in 80 what would take them 300 years to experience. Yes. So just, just the sheer volume of what we go through in the short time that we're present just dictates that we're in a spiritual evolution, that we're going at a very fast rate. Well, it's paralleling life. Uh, They've been tracking how many years it takes for the total knowledge on the planet to double. And the rate now is under two years. And if you think, how much do we know about reality, life, electronics, technology, uh, science, biology, all those different areas, a lot of esoteric niche areas. Number one, you realize that the majority of experts out there, the niche that they know about as recognized experts is getting smaller and smaller because there's so much knowledge in even a small niche. I mean, you can be the expert on the propulsion system in cockroach legs. I mean, that can be a niche area that you are the world's expert on. Do you know the whole cockroach? No, because there's too much information to know about the whole cockroach at this point. Um, and uh, so it's... Interesting it's, reference. It, it's rushing <laughs> up on people, um, and you, you see the information overload for, for many people. You see younger people being more comfortable with the idea of, Oh, here's a new gadget. Oh, I'm just going to start pushing buttons until I figure out how it works. Okay, I know how to use these tools. I'm ready to go. And you see somebody in their 50s who gets a new cell phone. And they say, I don't know how to turn this thing on. And I don't know how to send a text. What's or a text? Or get a voicemail like Tom. He's yeah. like, they called me. They went to voicemail. Now what do I do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you hand the phone to Violet, Tom. That's what you do. <laughs> and you have a 10-year-old looking at you like you're a dinosaur. What's your problem? I got well, that, this. My daughter used to sit in the back seat of the car, and I could hear her texting. I'm like, your thumbs are going to blow off. Yeah. Because they're so fast. They're, now they're born able to text. Yes. They're, they're born knowing what to do. And like you're saying, that, that it, you can see the knowledge double and the amount of information. We live in an amazing time where everything is literally at your fingertips. Yes. And, and, and you just can't help but grow as a race. 
yeah. in that area when there's so much of it around. We're saturated with it. Mm-hmm. So that that's the, the good side of technology. That's the good side. The, the bad side is um, we don't have an ethical and a moral basis on the filtering uh, for either what we put out there or what people absorb or take in. And um, that's the disappointing part. You know, whether or not you call it fake news, people's filters, their their inherent knowledge that they've picked up over the years, uh, has not equipped them with a reasonable thing uh, to to filter this stuff. Uh, there's so many people out there who are so hyper reactive to uh, politics and things like that. They're hyper reactive to conspiracy theories. Uh, I have friends who uh, they're the rational people and everything and they're starting to get sucked into going down a rabbit hole for some particular conspiracy angle and um, it's uh, you know this can be a David Wilcox it can be uh, a David Ikey's it can be uh, uh, it can be ETs being hidden it can be the government spending money on ETs it can be the government going into space these all may have aspects of truth to them but, uh, oh gosh, you know, the big one, the Illuminati. You know, what are we going to do about the Illuminati? You know, they're running the world. You know, it's the Rothschilds, all that. Gosh, you can spend 24 hours a day for the rest of your life online looking through all the stuff that people have posted as supposed fact, or a friend of a friend told me this, or they've seen the secret hideout, the secret lair, or they've been on a spacecraft, or they, they went to the, the vault on the moon where they store their money. I mean, it just goes on and on. And and people get overwhelmed by this stuff, and, and their their filters aren't aren't prepared because the technology and the appeal of this stuff is outstripping um, just sort of a, a common sense thing of uh, I, I need to pull back from this. I, I'm getting too caught up into it, too emotional. I'm sure the Illuminati are saturating things so that we're just constantly confused. That's right. It's- <laughs> Thinking, you know, that if it's on the internet, it's got to be true, right? Because there are people that believe that <laughs> it's on the internet, so it's got to be true, yeah. right? It can't. <laughs> there's truth in all that, right? Well, Wikipedia is real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's fully vetted. <laughs> Who needs an encyclopedia anymore? Well, I know as a college professor when I was teaching college. You know, people would reference Wikipedia and they'd go, uh, can you find a real source for me, please? Yes. Like something that um, is real. This is not what we source in college is Wikipedia. Well, this is one opinion until it's replaced by somebody else's <laughs> better opinion. opinion. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So you, you started out uh, this, this segment talking, we, we, we went into the healing aspect. And one of the things that you really do is take time to look into the cause of disease or disease. Yeah. So Tell us, tell us what that is like from your point of view, please. Well, if we go, uh, I, I've got to take you the roundabout way on this. So, no. So, from, from, <laughs> not on this show. From, <laughs> yeah, from, from my point of view, uh, what's the primary reason we're here? What's our primary goal? And and from my viewpoint, the goal is you're going to climb the mountain and get the big E on top, which is enlightenment. Some people call it awakening, some people call it ascension, whatever. Uh, that's the big goal. Um, so you're, you're taking your own path up the mountain, you're going, you're trailblazing. Some people get caught in little circles on the mountainside where they keep doing the loop because they're entranced with something. Uh, this was a fear for 
uh, like Buddhists, uh, especially uh, um, monks and nuns, having spiritual development where they're going to get gifts called cities and they said, you know, city is fun, but don't get all caught up into it because it's going to hold you back from climbing the mountain and continuing to make spiritual progress. You, you'll get too too entranced with it. Um, but the flip side that I see is um, if you are stuck on the mountain, people have challenges in their life, and health issues are one area of challenges. It can be financial, it can be relationship, it can be all kinds of things. And... If you own your reality, if you own it, if you accept it, that you are the creator of your reality, you just need to know more about that, um, then you can get to a point where instead of going out in the backyard at night and shaking your fist at the sky and saying, damn it, God, why did you do this to me? You start taking responsibility and saying, everything in my reality is something that I'm participating in, and I accept the responsibility for that. So I liken it to the idea that if you keep walking on this path on the mountain and you keep stubbing your toe on the same rock, take the responsibility that you go pick up the rock and turn it over and read the message on the bottom. So I, uh, I see many of our life's challenges here as being things that you signed up for at various levels, or you've, you've been in the dream state, you're talking to your higher self, your spirit, and your spirit's trying to help you get back on track, and you're saying, okay, i got to send some messages to my waking self to get back on track. And those messages may not be happy, and they may not be pleasant, and they may come in the form of uh, health issues. And so uh, being an engineer, being a Virgo, I like spreadsheets, I like worksheets, uh, where I can use the level of consciousness thing. So for my disease causes uh, worksheet, uh, potential causes, uh, one of them is raising vibrations faster than the body can assimilate or tolerate them. Um, Edgar Casey books numerous times talk about people where they may have health issues. If your vibrations go up too fast, if you develop too quickly, you may actually burn out your nervous system and you may cause significant problems. Another thing that they saw is what looks like schizophrenia. A lot of people may actually be inadvertently, they've opened up their kundalini. The kundalini went to the crown chakra open them up to communications and rather than having discernment being able to control it turn it off turn it on uh, they have no control over it and everything comes through from the astral plane and so suddenly they have voices in their head that are negative very disturbing telling them that they're awful people and they can't turn them off and they end up on drugs uh, a lot of that may be a spiritual cause not uh, just necessarily a brain chemistry cause like traditional schizophrenia uh, oast in previous lifetimes Gosh, I find a lot of people with either financial problems or relationship or sexual issues going on where, okay, so you've had three lifetimes as a monk, you took a vow of poverty, you took a vow of celibacy, and you didn't turn off those vows. So let's take a look at turning off those vows and getting past those issues. Uh, You don't need them anymore, they don't serve you. And so I'll walk people through scripts on those and then muscle test to make sure that the subconscious has absorbed that. Uh, another one on here, injuries and traumas in previous lifetimes. Um, when I first started in this and doing past lives, I didn't see a whole lot of influence uh, on people. But then it really has started coming in. I think there's a lot of past life stuff that is seeking resolution in this lifetime. It didn't get satisfied. You know, you were... Uh, 
the Romans grabbed you uh, because they didn't like you, maybe because you're a Christian, they put you up against a wall and they started throwing spears at you and it took a number of spears before you died. And now I'm seeing that you're getting aches and pains where some of those spears hit you. Uh, how do we release those energies of, number one, that you were martyred, number two, that this group would dislike you so much because of your religious beliefs? Um, is that happening in this lifetime again where you have beliefs that other people are persecuting you for and once again your heart aches and it's aching about the same age you were when you were killed in that other lifetime. So I, I see those things coming through. I don't believe that past lifetimes are over. I believe that they're ongoing and they're just as active and alive as we are now and we have energetic connections to them just as future lifetimes of ours are in some cases connecting to us and I joke with people you know, well, sometimes these future lives come back and say, "Oh, please don't do that." You know, don't snort that cocaine. You know, you're going to create problems for you and me. So, so please don't do that. Uh, so, I, I, I think that these are all going on at the same time. We're just at different points in our our spirituality and our existence. Where, just to keep it straight in our mind, because we're limited here, uh, we think we're here in the now with this particular 3D experience. Well, and I I have seen, at least in my work, that sometimes it's a traumatic death that they weren't expecting. Yes. And that instant takeaway has a lot that they bring into this life because either they thought they were going to finish something and something took them out or somebody killed them that they didn't expect and it's the shock of what happened or, you know, it's that end. Something happened that they weren't really prepared, ready, or expected or even thought about and it's that shock of when they leave that lifetime and come into this that they have a lot of stuff with that. Yeah, one of the places I see karmic linkages and I work with people to remove those is... um, if, say you're accused of being a witch in the late 1400s in Spain and in the process of being tortured to help you understand that you have the, the demon inside of you um, you find out who accused you of this and you say something to them like I'll never forget this I'll never forgive you and God will never forgive you this can create a karmic linkage to that person and that linkage can't be dissolved until you're physical again so every three or four lifetimes those aches and pains correlating to how you were tortured then show up at about the same age and the bad guy in that lifetime may show up again in this lifetime it'd be another obnoxious bad guy a bad boss a nasty relative somebody where it's all trying to motivate you to dig into this so you can release this connection and get rid of it so you don't have to repeat it anymore well it also clears it up there Yes. Right. So you're you're going back, and when you're going backwards and forwards, you're making it better all the way. But what I found for people is that they let go of the emotional pieces of it. They let go of the the karmic issues and the cycle of it, yeah. but they retain the lesson. Yes. Because why do it again? <laughs> yeah. it, but but then it becomes more of an informational. It becomes more mm-hmm. experience. It's kind of like as you as you get older. Uh, when you're in your late teens and early 20s, you do stupid stuff because you're in your late teens and early 20s. Right? And then as you start to release those things in your 30s and 40s, uh, it, instead of it being something that hounds you and haunts you, you look back at it and go, you know, I was young, but I, I'm in a different place now. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that same cycle just on a multi-life scale. Yeah. Right? And and I see a lot of those parallels all the time that, ju- that whatever it is in this life that you're experiencing, 
experiencing is probably part of your bigger picture as well in, in some form or another. And while we're here and doing good work, if you look at the big aspect, the big picture of it, when we're able to conclude things here, that's saying a lot. When we're looking at something that goes back three yes. or four lifetimes, you know, we're we're really doing a lot when we're able to heal our ancestors here and recognize that and and complete that cycle, mm-hmm. right? It it improves for everybody that's involved. Even the ones that are the adversaries are are assisted in that space because, you know, if you if you unhook it, then that cycle doesn't continue with them with you yeah. either. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a lot to be said for being able to do that. And again, that spiritual fast track, yes. you know, when you can sit down with somebody and absolve something that's been going on for four lifetimes, I'm going to call that a win. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, We have a lot more uh, available to us, a lot more power to for our to, yeah. to control our experience than we give ourselves credit for. Well, I, I do so much work with people on karma and karma releasing. I have a, a guided meditation to do karma burning for all lifetimes, and uh, I differ than the Eastern religions that still have uh, a very strong view of karma and trying to get off the the wheel, uh, the karmic wheel, you know, the cyclic thing. Um, we're moving forward so fast that I see some significant transitions coming where we may leave uh, essentially what we consider to be the physicality of this earth and go to other vibrational earths. Um, because we're moving so fast, I think the, the universe is in complete agreement now that the karmic system is outdated and doesn't need to be uh, held to anymore. Um, we, don't, we don't have another couple thousand of thousand years in front of us where if you do something to harm somebody else, you can come back in a hundred years and you can be the recipient of that action. And you can come back another hundred years and be the mother of the victim. And another hundred years you can come back and be the father of the victim. Uh, we, we've run out of time to continue exercising these scenarios in the physical uh, for you to have the experience of what the other person felt like. So. Um, I, I, I see karma going away. I see very rapid uh, transitions for people. Uh, I see so much of the challenges and the problems on this planet as being very constructive in that it is forcing people to come out of the basement, to, to come out of their houses, to look around and say, I'm going to take a, a moral or an ethical stand or a high vibrational spiritual stance on this in terms of how I choose to understand it, how I choose to help other people get through it, and uh, to improve things. And uh, the people who retreat from this and who hide out and say, you know, oh, I don't like the current president, I don't like our, our wars in the Middle East, uh, you know, horrible things are happening in Africa and all this stuff, so I'm going to sit in my basement and play video games and z- you know, zone out of reality and not participate on this planet. Uh, I think when these shifts come, they're going to go to a lower vibration place uh, where things are going to be rougher and tougher because there's some lessons they need too. And um, it's not that I'm faulting them, uh, they're making choices. So I, I don't see you know, the big gatekeeper in the sky saying, oh, you're a good person, you're going here. I see you as sort of creating your own level as a bubble where you're going to float to. And uh, as you grow your bubble bigger, you're going to go to higher levels when uh, some of these big shifts happen. Well, you talked about earlier about people creating hell and going there. Yes. So you believe that 
if we believe that, we can create that and put ourselves there in purgatory. Absolutely. Um, back in uh, about 2006, in, in my meditations, one one uh, morning I was uh, led to a trap door in what looked like a courtyard at a castle. And I went down the trap door in this long, winding hallway that looked like a dungeon, got to a big, heavy wooden door. They unlocked it and walked in, and there's somebody in front of me being tortured. And I said, okay, this is interesting. What am I supposed to see here? And he said, well, this is their hell. Okay. They created this hell. They died expecting to be in hell, and they created this hell from the visions that they've been given of what hell looks like. So they're being tortured by demons. They said, we want you to figure out how to get them out of this because this is an illusion. And uh, so I just started playing with it. So I, I took them out of whatever apparatus they were on, stood them up, washed them off, put them in a fresh robe, uh, cleaned them up. We, uh, I created a doorway. We stepped into a, what looks like an executive conference room, had them sit on one side of the table, and I sat with these spiritual entities on the other side of the table. And I started explaining to the person that what you're experiencing out there is something you created. It's not punishment. It's not from the Creator. You created it because you expected it. And I said, I'm going to prove to you that's an illusion. So I had them take a, a big flaming torch off a wall sconce and go open the door and look out again. And now it's just blackness. It's just a void. The, the illusion had been broken. That scenario was gone. And so then I said, are you ready to go back to a spiritual plane and reconcile with all those who you perceive that you may have hurt or who may have hurt you? And the answer is yes. And so I, I ended up with a protocol to take them back to a spiritual plane and reunite them. And then I started doing bigger groups. And then I found that, you know, if you're raised in a spiritual tradition where you think there's a limbo or you think there's a purgatory, sure enough, there's people in limbos and purgatories. And so I started working on uh, upgrading them. And uh, I just started finding other groups. Um, something is very uh, disappointing, but it has a big reality. Uh, Robin Williams did a wonderful movie where... Uh, he died and his kids died and his wife committed suicide in her grief and they had to rescue the wife from the lower realms because she had put herself there out of her guilt of her suicide. There are places where they get off a boat and they're walking across the mud flats and the mud flats there's all these people in the mud up to their heads and they're trying to step around their heads and the people are there because they don't have a vision or a view of the spiritual plane and they're stuck there for a long time and I've run into those groups where they're in prison cells in mass and I walk by and it's just like this is an illusion you know if you're ready to go to the spiritual plane you can go and a few of them disappear but a lot of them are just well I don't know I, I don't know what that looks like and uh, so so it is disappointing that uh, there are so many that are trapped uh, your psychology carries through when you die and if you die in, um, say, from dementia over multiple years, uh, there's a process in the spiritual plane called cocooning where they, they put you in a sham hospital and they gradually let you come back to full cognition and an understanding. You think you're there with doctors and nurses and you have visitors and it seems very real and they're giving you a time for psychological adjustment to get back into the thinking that you are a young, healthy, vibrant person with full memories of past lives. Um, they don't give you that, that shock. You're not ready for it. Uh, this also happens with somebody who is um, maybe uh, shot to death or uh, they're hit by a car and it just came out of the blue. They, they had no 
perception that they're suddenly going to die. And they'll end up in, the, in this cocooning also. Uh, this is one of the reasons why uh, if you have somebody that you just lost in your family and you go to see a medium, you say, I really want to connect with my mom. Oh, when did she die last week? I don't know if she's available yet. And um, it might take two or three months because they are going through this process. But once they're done with it, or for the average person who goes to the spiritual plane and everything, uh, you still carry your psychology from your latest life up there. And so, you know, if you are sort of an unpleasant, grouchy person, uh, in the spiritual plane, you may live in a house that looks like it's in suburbia, minus the cars and sidewalks, and and we don't need to eat or go to the bathroom, so there's no kitchens or bathrooms, uh, unless you just absolutely want to eat, and you can. Um, but they'll still be that same kind of grouchy person in suburbia up there. And they have an opportunity, once again, to get back on the path and to continue growing spiritually. And as they do, their their bubble gets bigger, and they float to higher and higher vibration levels where they look less and less like our 3D life and more and more like a, a vibrational or, or color and sound fill of life. So you go to the plane you've earned. Yeah, yeah. Or the, the, the plane that you're comfortable with. Or, I mean... I think back to my parents being in the social scene in the 60s, you know, where you had cocktail parties. And you had big uh, silver ashtrays and big silver lighters and big silver things holding cigarettes and a bar in the back. And people came over. And from my point of view... Light cards and socialized. Yes, and they had a stack of LPs on the record player. And everybody got a little schnockered and told jokes that weren't funny, but they suddenly became funny. And to me, that, that is such a, a hollow way to have relationships or conversations. Well, those people are still doing it in the spiritual plane. They're still having their cocktail parties. They are still socializing that way. From our point of view, that'd be a rather shallow thing because we're going deep into spirituality. We're going deep into our connections to other people, but they're up there. And uh, so, yeah, you can have the type of relationships you want. You can pick and choose where you want to go to classes or go to museums or go to performances, all these types of things. And... For some of those people at a point where they start saying, this is really nice, but I, I'm ready for some challenges. Oh, you want to go back for another lifetime? Hmm. <laughs> Here's a brochure. Here's a brochure. <laughs> Be sure to read the whole thing. <laughs> Even the spot print. Before you sign it. Yeah, yeah but, but the disclaimers are in Chinese. <laughs> so, Dave, you have your own uh, radio show as well. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, a number of years ago, I just really wanted to start getting information out. Uh, my target audience, uh, or one of my target audiences, are those people who maybe live in rural areas, uh, whether it's in the U.S. or even other countries. They don't have access to metaphysical bookstores. They don't have access to, to readers in the community, or at least nobody will admit it. How do they learn about this stuff? I mean, granted, now it's it's better you can go on, you know, Amazon and buy books or eBay, whatever. But you know, when I was first starting this, it was how do I get information out about different things? And so I, I really chose to focus on uh, different types of intuitives, different types of healers, uh, authors with metaphysical or inspiring books, uh, health issues, and. Uh, also, spiritual things that came to me where uh, I just do solo shows. And uh, this was, uh, gosh, close to maybe nine years ago. And what really kicked it off was I had two different phone calls from people who said, we really like you. Well, who are you? Well, we've heard about you, and we'd like you to, to host a radio show. 
Well, that sounds interesting. Yeah, we do a series of eight shows. Okay. And we sell advertising. Well, yeah, okay, that sounds reasonable. And we just need you to pay $5,000 for this, and we'll sell enough advertising, you get your $5,000 back and more. And it's like, hmm, this just doesn't quite ring true. You know, if I could do this, anybody could do this. And you know nothing about me, and I have no name recognition, so... Um, why do you think this is going to work? Well, we're going to get your five thousand dollars. <laughs> it worked just fine for us. And, and a friend of mine said, "Dave, why would you pay for it when you can do it for free?" And I said, "Do it for free." And they said, "Yeah, go to Block Talk Radio." And Block Talk was starting up, and at that point, yes, it was free, and I could have an hour show in the evening, and I could do it during prime time for free. Uh, the rules have since changed because they became popular enough that now, if you want to do a prime time show in the evening for an hour or two hours. Uh, you have to pay a, a fee per month, but that's okay, and uh, it's nominal. And so I, I've done over uh, 410 shows. Uh, I'm I'm up to 420, I think, and and they're all posted. Uh, people can always go back and, and just scroll through them. Uh, a lot of the shows I, I feature an intuitive or a reader, and we talk for a half hour, and then we have mini readings, five-minute mini readings in the second half of the show. So I, I get uh, caller participation. Um, the, the website for this is uh, www.blogtalkradio, that's all one word, dot com slash Dave the Mystic. And uh, you can listen to it live on Monday nights at 8 p.m. I, I generally do live shows. Sometimes I do pre-recorded for either my convenience or the convenience of the guests. But um, that's, that's one of my weekly activities, and uh, I've been doing it a long time. <laughs> so if people want to get in touch with you directly, how can they do that, Dave? Uh, they can contact me um, through dbarnett, D-B-A-R-N-E-T-T, at holistic, and that's holistic with an H, so H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C, beliefs.com. Or they can call me. I, I'm happy to take calls or leave a message. Uh, 303-902-5323. So, yeah, you can reach me. I'm here at the center uh, full-time working at Discover Your Spiritual Gifts. Uh, I have an office and a, a treatment room where I, I work with clients. About 80% of my work, 90% is uh, over the phone. Everything I do, I can do distance. And uh, specifically on my clearings work where I clear houses and people, uh, that's all remote. I, I never go to the site. So I, I clear people all, all over the world. That's fabulous. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dave, and sharing so much of your journey and and all of the the great conversation. I, I'm I sure feel like we could do another full I was show, just right? Saying, like, there's, there's several shows. We could, I, I knew Dave was going to be a prime guest, uh, and he's very experienced in all of these things. So uh, thank you, folks, for listening and being part of our, our DYSG Live show. Please come and see us at the Center in Littleton, Colorado. Uh, and Dave, thanks for, for being with us. Oh, absolutely. Uh, this is fun. <laughs> and this is Jason. Violet. And Dave. And signing off. And we will see you in the next episode, which will feature Joanne Palladino. Uh, Pallad- Palladino. Did I say that correctly? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Uh, so that'll be show number 17 coming up next. And thank you for listening. And please stay tuned. We have uh, some practitioners that will be sharing their short description of what they do here at the center. And uh, we will catch you guys next time. 
Hi, I'm Joyce Gerald. I am a trance channel. I do individual readings, but what I really love to do is teach people how to channel. I've been teaching channeling for about 11 years. I kind of stumbled into the teaching part because I had a client who came to me who wanted to channel, and she said that the only way she could do it is if she was hypnotized because she was terrified. So I was channeling Archangel Metatron for her, and he turned the tables on her and had her start channeling for me. She was absolutely fantastic, one of the best people I've seen. When she was finished with it, she was in tears because it's the first time she'd been able to do it without being hypnotized first. Her guides had asked me if I would start a class to help support her so that she would be comfortable channeling around other people. And so I said, okay, I would teach channeling. So I did a little research and gathered several people to attend the first class. We were all very excited. So I said that she was supposed to bring me to the teaching part of what I do. I enjoy it immensely. Everyone channels in my classes. I have never had anyone who is unable to. Uh, But anyone who came in with the intention and the desire always was able to channel. And it's a really fun class. I'll be teaching classes here at Discover Your Spiritual Gifts beginning in March. I have two level one classes coming up and then a level two class. The level one class enables you to initially have those words come out of your mouth, but at that point you're not really able to attain that space and just start on your own. And so level two is further refining and practicing. They're all really fun classes. You get to listen to everyone else channel. You get to ask questions of the others who are there. So it's it's a really fun thing to do. You can find the details on the classes at the discoveryourspiritualgifts.com website. They also have a meetup and I've also put all of my classes on Eventbrite. I am Brenda Hardwick, an award-winning author and healer who is a teacher and practitioner of seraphic wisdom. I'm also studied in several other healing modalities, such as shamanic Reiki and a certified integrative nutrition health coach. Through my connection with the Creator and the guidance of my angels, I provide as much enlightenment as possible to the clients who come and see me. Healing is the foundation of what I practice. Teaching is the method I use to create the ripple effect that will help change the world. Writing is how I encourage and facilitate the transformation of others to the higher vibrations we are all seeking. As a healer, I am connected and attuned to the seraphim. They are the high angels. They help me heal mind, body, and soul of those who come to me. I also use laughter as medicine. And the health coaching is applied to help clients receive a well-rounded approach to finding their light and shining their health. You can find me at Discover Your Spiritual Gifts every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And I also practice out of the St. Andrew Healing Arts Center in Arvada, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. I look forward to helping you find your light and shine it. I am Brenda Hardwick, an award-winning author and healer who is a teacher and practitioner of seraphic wisdom. I'm also studied in several other healing modalities, such as shamanic Reiki and a certified integrative nutrition health coach. Through my connection with the Creator and the guidance of my angels, I provide as much enlightenment as possible 
to the clients who come and see me. Healing is the foundation of what I practice. Teaching is the method I use to create the ripple effect that will help change the world. Writing is how I encourage and facilitate the transformation of others to the higher vibrations we are all seeking. As a healer, I am connected and attuned to the seraphim. They are the high angels. They help me heal mind, body, and soul of those who come to me. I also use laughter as medicine, and the health coaching is applied to help clients receive a well-rounded approach to finding their light and shining their health. You can find me at Discover Your Spiritual Gifts every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and I also practice out of the St. Andrew Healing Arts Center in Arvada, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. I look forward to helping you find your light and shine it. Discover Connection Awaken Sacredness Become Empowered Join us for our show on Blog Talk Radio